eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Saints for a touchdown! It's your inside pass to everything Saints football. And the kick is good! We'll take you to places most fans never go. We'll watch from 60. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown! Taysom Hill! Taysom TD! Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby! Welcome Inside Black and Gold. Steve Geller along with Jeff Nowak bringing you July edition of our latest podcast. Getting into uh, some player rankings. We're going to be giving out grades at positions and really delving into the strongest and weakest spots on this team as we get ready finally for training camp this month. Uh, Had some great news, obviously, with Foster Murrow putting out right before 4th of July that he's been cleared from Hodgkin's lymphoma, and we'll be getting into what another tight end, Jawan Johnson, recently had to say about the new quarterback in New Orleans, Derek Carr. Jeff, hope your fourth was glorious. Didn't do much except uh, saw a great... I'd say a good movie in the new Indiana Jones. And then, uh, yeah. uh, In the dial of destiny was, was the dial as big as it was portrayed to be. (laughs) It was okay. I thought it was a decent send off for a guy that a character, at least that, you know, obviously I grew up loving as a kid, the one before this, the crystal skull didn't like that one. Yeah. This one was way better. (laughs) Thankfully, like I said, a good send off for Indy. And then obviously at night, it was all about fireworks, and I didn't have to go anywhere. It just seems like my neighborhood was great, you know, seemed like ground zero for all every single firework in America. Yeah, I didn't go out anywhere for fireworks either, but like, yeah, my neighborhood goes nuts. But I do have to say, like, if you are waiting until 10 p.m. to start setting off your fireworks, no. you're a jackass. Like, <laughs> no, there's no question about like our, my entire neighborhood was like blowing up at about 8:30. It was dark, right. it was great. 
And then it's like everyone stops. And all of a sudden, someone like two houses over from me at 9.58 is blowing up their backyard for like 45 minutes. If you were just going to send up a couple, fine. I was ready. Like I go to bed around 10 o'clock. I'm old. Today was not a day off, right? Like if you want to do something late on Tuesday or on Monday, the day before the 4th of July, go right ahead. What the hell? Like I'm laying in bed just like, like, okay, this was just unnecessary. It was already dark like an hour and a half ago. What were you doing? Why wouldn't you doing this then when everyone else was doing it? My theory is they wanted all the attention. Anyway, so yeah, I've just been watching tennis, although it rained yesterday. So there's only like three matches to watch, but I got to watch my boy Francis this morning. Looks good. Taylor Fritz got through. I only care about the Americans because America. That was my wife too. And she was so disappointed with Coco Golf getting bounced early. Yeah, I haven't watched much of the women's yet because it's just, I mean, there was only so many matches on and I, you can only watch one match at a time, really. I think it was even the first day for Coco. She was boom, done. Yeah, it is weird. Like you see it, like the rankings for tennis players change so much over time that it's like, oh, this was a top 10 player like a year ago. What the heck happened? They're unranked now. Like Andy Murray's there. But yeah, that's 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 kind of what I've been doing. But yeah, getting back into the Saints stuff, right? You said they were grades. I wouldn't call them grades so much as I would say that I went through and like rated. It's more like a Madden rating than grades in that I gave five categories, which include the starters, depth, dependability, track record, and playoff experience. Each one you can have as many as zero or 10 points. Zero is a disaster. 10 is perfect. And then, you know, I go through and I add the, add it all up. And however you land on that grading is how I'm going to put you on this list of like position strength for the Saints. I'm not grading them against anybody else, but I am grading them against themselves. And so that's kind of how we're going to set up how the relative strength of each position kind of works. It's actually a method that I stole from when I got bored one weekend and decided to rank all the Marvel movies. <laughs> and so I went through each one, the MCU movies at least, and gave them like six categories, like writing and villain and rewatchability and stuff like that. And that's how I kind of established my own tier of Marvel movie rankings. So, so I'm doing the same thing with this because it's the time of year where we have nothing to really talk about. So we might as well talk about something stupid, which is how these positions stack up against each other. Do you and remember who ended I, up your top tiered Marvel movie? Uh, I was one of the, I think it was, I think it was infinity war. Okay. Yeah. I'm high on infinity war. And then like, I'm, oh, we can go through that in a separate podcast. If anyone really <laughs> wants to know, I could go through for an hour on this. I'm a lot, I'm a, I'm a lot lower on all of the Dr. Strange movies. than I think everybody else is. I'm with you. Um, He's a bore. Like Infinity War is high in spite of Benedict Cumberbatch, who I hate. But Multiverse is like way. I think I have Multiverse lower than than Black Widow. Like I hate that movie. It's so bad. I'm more about practical effects if you, if they can do it. Which obviously there's not many Marvel movies with practical effects. But like if it's basically a cartoon, I'm not into it. I do like Spider Verse. I like the Spider Verse movies. But it's like if you're gonna make a cartoon, make it a freaking cartoon. Don't spend you know, however much it costs to bring in Benedict Cumberbatch and then have him running on a treadmill talking to people. Like, that's stupid, and I don't want to watch. Anyway, that's, I don't, we've, we've gotten off on tangents. Uh, but yeah, I can go through those those rankings too. We could do that. There's, there's that little to talk about where I think that would actually hold some weight. But we're going to start because I have the quarterbacks and the tight ends ranked pretty low. And it's not because they're bad. It's because of they're on the categories that I have them listed at, there are significant questions as it pertains to 
the tight ends and the quarterbacks. Um, and so let's just start with Jawan Johnson. And he went on Sirius XM, NFL radio, whatever they call it. And he talked about Derek Carr. And I think it's an interesting conversation. So let's listen to that first before we before we go any further. It honestly felt like we've been working with, with Derek for quite a while now. And so uh, OTAs was, was really good, really smooth. And, you know, he, he's given me more of a, uh, a feel because he's an older guy. He's given me a lot of um, Drew, you know, um, going into the, the huddle, commending the huddle, the guys um, gravitating to him. Um, these are things I've seen um, how Drew conducted the huddle, how Drew conducted the offense and things like that. So uh, it's given me similar feels. Um, and so I'm really excited about what Derek has and, you know, and, and how he's going to move this offense. Pete Carmichael now in his second year of kind of running the offense. I'm sure there will be some things that uh, Sean Payton is still in his offense that you guys will continue to carry with you. But in what way are you guys maybe evolving a little bit offensively? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I feel like with Derek, there's a lot of things that you can do. Um, he's been in an offense where, you know, he's had Josh McDaniels, John Gruden, so he has a lot of that he can bring over to, you know, our offense. Uh, obviously, we have a lot of uh, pieces on our offense, who, which I think he's probably never had before. Um, and so yeah. I feel like that's something that he could use a little bit. And so um, I, a big a big credit to Pete. I mean, Pete's been working his tail off this offseason. We got some stuff in there. I'm like, Pete, I've, I've never seen this before, but I like it. And so um, I'm really excited for Pete going into year two. He's been behind Sean for so long. And so he's learned a lot. And, and now he's time to be, he's ready to blow up now. Yeah. So that was Jawan Johnson. And he, like one of the reasons I have the tight end group ranked low is because I'm not projecting anything in these rankings. I am going based on a, what would I grade the starters at right now? B, what would I grade the depth at right now? C, what would I grade the dependability at right now? And so all three of those things are tough because, yes, Jawan Johnson, I think, has the potential to be a top-end starting tight end in the NFL, at least as a receiving option. I don't know if he'll ever be an elite blocking option, but that's okay. So I put him at a uh, – and, and then for dependability, you know, if I had to pick one thing Jawan Johnson needs to address this year, it is he can't disappear for long stretches, right? If you want to be a top-end receiving tight end option – you have to be consistent game in, game out. And while his numbers for last year were intriguing and impressive in terms of touchdowns caught, you know, total yardage, everything ticked up, you know, he did have long stretches where you're like, okay, where, do, where did Juwan go? Right? Hits touchdowns. He had two against the Falcons, then one each against the Rams, Steelers, and Ravens. Those were back-to-back-to-back games. I would say that was his best stretch as an NFL player, right? So – Falcons, the 49ers, the Rams, the Steelers, and the Ravens. But, you know, then you had that that 49ers game where he had zero catches on two targets and they got shut out, right? Like that's not only his fault, but someone had to step up as a weapon in that game. And then you had the first, what, eight games of the year, seven games of the year, didn't catch a touchdown, right? So like th- these are those moments where it's like, okay, if I'm going to have to, if I'm going to grade you higher, I need to see consistency. And so this time next year, if I do this rating again, hopefully – I can put him higher, but for now, the tight end position is actually the lowest graded position. And so that's where I want to get into with these gradings is everyone is between 40 and 28.5. So maximum of 50, minimum of zero. (laughs) So if you wanted to double this up, you would be talking B, B minus C, but I'm not going with letter grades. I'm just going with numbers. And so 
Right now, tight end, I have at 28.5. And the way I broke it down is, so starters, I'm giving a 6.5. Depth, I'm giving a 7, which I think is probably more than it deserves right now. Just because I like Jawan Johnson, I like Foster Morrow, and I like Taysom Hill. But that depth could go away really fast because if suddenly you lose Jawan Johnson, where are you looking at in terms of your receiving tight end? I'm not sure who you have, right? So I think that the starters at 6.5 is fair. The depth at 7 might be overselling it. But I do like the depth when everyone's healthy. I do like what Derek Carr and Jawan Johnson have been able to kind of get to already in terms of Jawan is working on whip routes. He's working on watching slot receivers and kind of figuring out the tricks they used to get open. I talked to Clancy Barone, the new tight ends coach, and he had Jawan look watching Julian Edelman, Brandon Stokely, Antonio Gates, guys like that, Tony Gonzalez, guys who use their bodies as well as anybody so that he can do that too because he has the athleticism. So I think it's interesting. Track record, I give it a six. And then the one that really brings them down is the playoff experience grade, which I put it at two. And it's the same reason that the quarterback position comes down because I consider playoff experience in terms of trying to grade out a position to be a pretty important category. And I don't know. I, I think Jawan might have been on the roster his rookie year when, when they made the playoffs, but I don't think he played. Yeah. Foster Morrow, I believe, has one or two playoff games, but you know, obviously not a significant number. Then no one else, as far as I know, has any significant playoff experience other than Taysom Hill who his playoff experience wasn't as a tight end. So uh, that's that's at a two. And so that's really tanking their grade. But I have tight ends as the lowest graded position at 28.5. Yeah, I, I can't blame you there. That was a huge, huge question. I remember just going into organized team activities because we didn't even know about really a Foster Morrow, a Jesse James even in the right. mix early on. So the additions there at least helped – solidify some of the depth that position but i agree with you if there god forbid is that injury to a jawan johnson who becomes that top receiving threat now with this tight end group you would think maybe Taysom, but we just we really haven't seen it from him except you know in every other role really on this team i would lean maybe towards a guy like a foster morrow then just because he's been there done that before and has the experience with Derek carr and i think he'd get a lot more looks than if something were to happen with Juwan Johnson. I did love hearing those comments, though. I mean, what is he going to say on that serious XM radio interview with Juwan Johnson on the fact, though, like comparing Derek Carr in the same realm as Drew Brees when it comes to commanding the huddle and getting guys to the line? I don't want anybody, you know, blowing things up and all of a sudden on social media you see, like, tweets comparing, oh, Juwan Johnson says – Derek Carr is just like Drew Brees. No, 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 no. That's, that wasn't the case there. But it just it, it talked about that sense of urgency, getting guys aligned. And, you know, I, I don't know, I want to say I'm surprised, but I guess a little bit taken back that a guy like Andy Dalton wasn't as experienced maybe in getting, getting things set that way, in that nature. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
Yeah, I mean, I just don't think Andy ever felt like he commanded that room because he didn't, right? Like he was the second no, right. choice for a reason. And uh, I don't think that that offense ever ran the way that it was initially envisioned and hoped it would. That's why they went out and got Derek Carr. I don't think they loved the way that it ran with J- Jameis either. I love Jameis, but I don't think that it worked the way that they hoped. And so they went out and got a guy who they think can command that room. And so, yeah, I mean, I think the playoff experience is the easiest thing to correct here. And I'm going to talk about playoff experience a lot because I think it's important, right? Like you look at teams get to the playoffs with a bunch of young players. It's rare to see that team excel in the playoffs in your, like even, even Pat Mahomes, you look at Pat Mahomes is like probably the fastest in terms of getting to the playoffs and having success. But even that first year he got to the playoffs, they lost to, to Tom Brady and the Patriots in overtime of the AFC championship, right? Like you got pretty far, but I think they needed that experience to be able to get over the hump. And so you know, that's why I look at a guy like Traquan Smith. We're going to talk about Traquan Smith. One of the things that he has going for him, he's been to the playoffs. He's got two touchdowns in a, in a divisional playoff game, right? Like, who else on the roster can say that? But, you know, you asked who might step in, and I think a guy like Lucas Kroll is intriguing in terms of he's a pass-catching tight end. He's not ever going to be that star in-line blocking tight end. But if you're looking for a guy who could potentially step in and fill some of that role, the way we see him move around, I think, is 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 solid. And he could take on some of that because I also don't think Taysom is ever going to be that receiving threat at tight end the way that Jawan can be. Yeah, I was curious, how many tight ends did you end up keep keeping on that initial 53-man roster I remember you put out? Was it three or four? I believe it was only three. I think okay. I only kept... Jawan Foster and Taysom, but like you're going to be able to stash a guy like Lucas Crawl in the practice squad. And that's part of the reason I have their depth grade pretty high. It's a seven, you know, in terms of a lot of unproven guys behind those three, I still think that there is some depth there. So I feel good about it in terms of who can step in when needed. So let's move on. We're only going to do one other group in this segment, and we're going to move on to kind of the middle of the road groups. But the second one, I think I think people are going to disagree with me on it, but it's quarterback is the second lowest graded group on this team. And again, a lot of it is based on playoff experience, right? Like it's the same thing I would have said about Drew Brees when he came in is like, I need to see this guy prove himself before I'm going to give him a great grade on terms of like what he can do in the playoffs. Derek Carr has played in one career playoff game. He lost it. He was hurt for another playoff game that they that they lost as well. The Raiders did. But so I have them at a 29. So they're only a tick higher than tight ends. And none of these groups are super low. Like no one's getting like a 10, obviously. But yeah, so starting grade, I have it as 6.5 because I think that's fair. I think that's where Derek Carr is in terms of the hierarchy of quarterbacks. I think he's kind of that upper middle tier. He's not in the top tier, but he is in that middle to upper range. Like he's upper middle class, right? <laughs> like he's not hurting for money, but it's like you're not going on vacations every two months, right? you you got to... You got to have a good money manager there and make sure it lasts. I and mean, that's kind of where I where I put him at, right? Like you're starting you're starting college funds and stuff like that. And then what what really kind of keeps this grade high is the depth. I have their depth at an eight, the same way I have the Saints tight end depth pretty high because I think the guys they have behind the starters are pretty good. I have dependability to six point five. I have track record as a six because I think that in terms of both Jameis and Derek, the track record of quarterbacks in terms of statistics and winning is about as middling as it can be. Neither of these guys has, has a winning career record as a quarterback. Neither of them has won a playoff game. That's about as middle of the road as you can get. And I probably should put it lower in terms of that. Like I think they can improve upon that, but I'm not putting it higher than a six and then playoff experience is a two. So very similar 
but tight end and quarterback. And that's why they're both at the bottom. So tight end 28.5, quarterback at 29, and it only gets higher from there. Yeah, a lot of, like you said, when it comes to especially the playoffs, uh, unproven on this roster with, you know, obviously you got a rookie in Hayner. Jameis didn't do anything in Tampa, huh? I mean, he did a lot of interesting things. (laughs) No, but I mean, he never never made it to the playoffs in Tampa. No. No. Right. And I mean, they, they, they had a couple good seasons in terms of, of win loss, right? Like not like great, but they never won the division. They never won a wild card. Um, and, uh, you know, that's just, I think the playoffs and the regular season are two very separate entities. And that's why I have that grade here. Cause I want to see someone who has showed up in the playoffs and been, had success, right? The saints have players like that. And I, and that's why I grade those positions a little higher. Like even again, like a Traquan Smith, like, I don't need you to, be a guy who's showing up and being a star in the playoffs, but I'd like to see somebody in every position group who at least understands what it's like, who has been in that situation. And I don't, I can't say that about any of the Saints tight ends with the exception of Taysom Hill. But again, he was not really a tight end when he was doing right. that. And then I can't say that about any of the Saints quarterbacks. So that really tanks their grade in my opinion. Yeah. The, the biggest thing, obviously the Saints quarterback room, I think has going for it is that's, that step to the number two quarterback with Jameis Winston, he's almost on that level, I would say, as Derek Carr. I would say Carr is your better quarterback, a better than average quarterback, and, and Jameis is too. It's just the, the injury history with him has really caused the, the biggest right. problem, in my opinion. And But I, I think if it came to that situation where you needed him, I feel pretty confident with him running the Saints offense at least. Yeah, and that's why like dependability and depth are important to me because yeah, I think they do make the playoffs in 2021 if Jameis stays healthy. I don't know how deep they go, but I think they get there. They start at five and two. I mean, if they don't have a five-game losing streak in the middle of the season, which is directly related to your stop starting quarterback going down, you make the playoffs. You you missed it by one game, which you know the Saints sent out a, a clip of Paulson Adebo making a one-hand interception against the Falcons. Like, oh man, what a big play! And then you look up in the top left corner of the screen, and it's got like the bug of the Rams and 49ers playing. And that was at a point where the Rams were up 17 to nothing over the 49ers. Which at that point, that one-handed interception and that that score in the top left corner of the screen, you're like the Saints are making the playoffs, baby. Good hope. And then the Saints hold up their end of the deal. The 49ers blow that lead. I'm sorry, the, the Rams blow that lead and lose in overtime, and the Saints miss the playoffs. And it's like, man, that still triggers me to this day. Like, that's that's a rough, that's a rough time. But yeah, it's to me like the knowing that if Derek Carr goes down for any period of time, like not even season ending injury, what if he right. sprains his ankle and has to miss a game, right? You have someone who not only has won games at the NFL level, has proven that he can win games in this offense, has a puncher's chance against anybody. Just go back and watch that Falcons game week one where he had these crazy injuries and he was still able to lead that comeback. That makes me feel a lot better about the quarterback position. This time next year, this grade could be a lot higher because Derek Carr proves something that he hasn't been able to, which is that not only can he go out and be a successful quarterback in the regular season, he can do it down the stretch. He can do it in the red zone, which I know has been something that he's been got a lot of grief for the last week or so and then he can go win a playoff game but right now I just don't I don't I don't know that and you know both of these quarterbacks actually when you look at their careers they have been on teams that have been to the playoffs twice that's not true Jameis has played in two playoff games technically because he was on the Saints in 2020 when they 
beat the Bears, and then lost to the 49ers, a game in which he threw a touchdown. Derek Carr has been in the playoffs twice. He played in one game. He was hurt for the second time. So That's right. Both- Wasn't it that, that trick play this, the Saints stole from the Bears? They used against him, right? To Traquan Smith, yes. Yes, right, right. Yeah, so that was the play that – it was kind of that tossback play. Mitch Trubisky and the Bears ran it, and I can't remember the guy's name, but it was the same player, the same receiver who punched – CJ Gardner Johnson and got suspended and he was wide open in the end zone. No one was within 10 yards of him and the ball just went straight through his hands. And like, I still think like to this day that CJ Gardner Johnson was playing defense from inside of his head on that play. But yes, that was the play. The next week, the saints stole that exact play, ran it against the bucks for a touchdown Jameis to, to Traquan Smith. And it worked. And yeah, the saints actually tried it again, by the way, they tried it this year. With Andy Dalton. Okay. No, they used it. They used it. So Taysom had the ball. They did kind of a throwback to Andy Dalton and Andy Dalton ended up getting sacked. And that was the play that if you recall, everyone was like, Elvin Kamara was wide open on the left side of the screen. But it's like, no, the read is to Kevin White up the middle of the field. Just like that was the read in the playoffs to Traquan up the middle of the field. So it's not like he can just be like, you know what? I'm not throwing it there. I'm going to throw it over here instead. That's not the read. But Andy Dalton did not successfully execute that play. But that was the same play. Um, anyway. Sadly, we said that a lot. Andy Dalton did not execute that play. That's such a good difference between like, okay, this is a quarterback who can run this play and this is a quarterback who cannot. Yes. But yeah, it is it is what it is. They won that game. I think that was against the, the Rams. It was one of the games they won, so no one got mad about it. But <laughs> it did. It was a bad play. I mean, it was like a 12-yard sack. It was just a good example of a play. Why are you running that play right now? Right. Like it's it's when you look at Pete Carmichael and like you say you, you've said this a few times of like, I've always been told Pete Carmichael was a more aggressive play caller than Sean Payton. It's like, yeah, because why is Pete Carmichael calling that play right in that situation? It's like when when Sean decided to run a double reverse and lost. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I was like, what are you doing? Right. Why are we doing this right now? This is stupid. Don't do anyway. One thing, though, you mentioned Pete real quick there. That was another thing Jawan mentioned. Nice to hear he's got a new bag of tricks, obviously, heading into this year. I wouldn't expect anything less, though. Yeah, I'd like to think Pete's going to be a little more comfortable because, you know, we yeah. can talk about Pete's been around forever. That's the first year he's uh, – second year, but 2012 is kind of weird. It's so long ago, it's hard to even compare it. But, like, that's the first year he has been kind of on his own as the play caller, not running Sean Payton's offense anymore. He's running his offense. And I think – while it'd be easy to say, oh, well, he's been around forever. He shouldn't have had a learning curve. There's a learning curve there. And hopefully this year, and I think Joanne alluded to it, he feels more comfortable. He's able to do execute some of that. But all right, those are the first two positions. We had tight end quarterback. Those are the bottom two in my rankings. And I think that's going to tell you that I feel pretty confident about a lot of the positions on this team. There are a few that kind of sit in the middle. And so those are the ones we're going to get into in this next segment but is there any anything else any parting shots you want before we close this one out and head into the second segment nothing with that position group i think yeah it was pretty easily laid out there and and makes a ton of sense to me obviously especially when you're putting that emphasis on the uh the playoff experience or lack thereof kind of thing yeah that's the big difference between this group being in the middle of the pack and this group being at the bottom and not every position group has playoff experience and these two just don't it's just the way it is and you got to grade you, i guess you don't have to grade because we don't have to do this at all but we do have to put out a podcast so if we are putting out a podcast and doing the grades you got to grade based on something and that's what i'm using so argue with me on twitter if you want although i don't really use that anymore anyway we're gonna we're gonna 
We're going to keep going. This is Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak, at Jeff underscore Nowak on Twitter. Steve is at Steve Geller, WWL. You can follow the show as well, at Saints underscore pod. We're going to come back. We're going to go through the next three or four positions based on how long it takes us to talk about them. So uh, stick around for that. <laughs>